eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports, joined today as always by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, NWSL analyst and broadcaster. On today's episode, we have another bit of news and notes uh, episode to go over. Lots of things happening in NWSL for everyone. But before we get into all that, a quick reminder that we're on YouTube as video. Subscribe to us at youtube.com slash attacking third. You'll never miss a new episode whenever we go live or our exclusive interviews, plus so, so much more. Subscribe to Attacking Third YouTube. And if you missed any of the AFC uh, Asian Women's Cup action, you can rewatch the full quarterfinal matches on Paramount+. Plus, and you can get extended highlights on Attacking Third YouTube. So much going on, Lisa. I'm happy to be here with you once again to go through it all. How are you doing this lovely Monday? I mean, I'm good. You're right. There's just so much to go through. We, we talk about it a lot. You and I off air uh, casual conversation like, all right, content planning, what's going to happen? And then bam, things happen for us and we get to talk about them. But um, yeah, lots of lots of soccer coming down the pipe, uh, hopefully a little bit. Right. Like, how are you? Happy Monday. Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing all right. I think um, I think it's safe to say that uh, we made it. There has been some <laughs> snow that has been in our way, I think, as uh, Philadelphians and Chicagoans and uh, we made it. So <laughs> we're here to just roll back out into the snow uh, from the snow and uh, talk about everything that's been happening around NWSL uh, in light of preseason uh, looming closer. Um, which maybe I think the first thing we should talk about, I think at the top of this episode, um, are some additional dates, right? So uh, initially in the off season, NWSL announced a bit of framework in terms of timeline and important dates for the upcoming 2022 season that included uh, a weekend date for the NW- NWSL championship final that included a date for the challenge cup final uh, and uh, a preseason reporting date of February one. Uh, but some interesting news coming out, uh, seeing some things from equalizer soccer, 
Soccer uh, reporting that although there is no official schedule at the moment uh, for Challenge Cup or uh, the regular season out at this time, that apparently, uh, according to sources, the regular season is set to start the last weekend of April, Friday the 29th and the 30th and May 1st, while the Challenge Cup final uh, has been set since December within that framework that we're chatting a little bit about right now for Saturday, May 7th. Uh, so, again, that's regular season starting the week before a Challenge Cup final with a full slate of matches set for uh, that same Challenge Cup final weekend. A few days before uh, teams within that Challenge Cup final will apparently need to possibly reschedule or change those regular season games. Uh, it's not sounding like the most well uh, thought out or planned ideas for right now, Lisa. <laughs> That's such an understatement. It's not seeming like well thought out plan. It's it's not. It is not a well thought out plan. Um, to have the Challenge Cup dubbed as a type of preseason competition leading up to the regular season for these teams and for uh, the league, they want the teams and the players to take the challenge cup very seriously they they win a cup it's one of the winnings that a team can have throughout the regular season along with the shield and then winning the nwsl championship so it's something that the league wants the teams to take very seriously then they say okay but we're going to start the regular season a week before the challenge cup even concludes and we're also going to place a full slate of matches on the weekend of the challenge cup final so that doesn't make any sense to me because if you're a team that is competing in the Challenge Cup, um, ultimately you would want to try to get to the Cup. But now at this point, you could potentially have, if you make it to the Challenge Cup final, you could potentially have your first games, uh, your home openers perhaps, where you have a lot of fanfare surrounding uh the players and the team in the stadium be canceled or rescheduled. So then you potentially have the possibility of playing two games closer and maybe a Wednesday, Friday, a Wednesday, Saturday. That's not looking too likely. Like if I'm a player, I'm almost saying, okay, we'll compete in the challenge cup, but I don't want to make it to the final because I don't want my games to be rescheduled and I don't want my regular season to be pushed back. And I don't want to get injured in the cup final. And then it affects my regular season minutes. This is just, it's very odd to me that they're trying to overlap these and squeeze them in. Why not make the Challenge Cup a little shorter or put more games throughout the middle of the week? Um, but no official Challenge Cup schedule has been released at this point. No regular season schedule has been released at this point. But just backwards, I think, is my initial reaction to this, Sandra. It's it's backwards. Yeah, I mean, just uh, taking, uh, since we're going backwards already, let's keep uh, taking further steps back. Just when that initial framework uh, was announced, that uh, yes, uh, mentioning the February 1 preseason uh, deadline, uh, and then the actual Challenge Cup itself uh, being given a Saturday, March 19th start day uh, with the beginning of group play there, uh, supposed to be featuring three groups of four teams, uh, a, a, a double round robin style type of tournament with semifinals and then the championship cup final uh, on Saturday, May 7th. So now uh, it's sort of coming out there that maybe a little bit of overlapping is going to be taking place with this. It's going to be interesting. Maybe, you know, we'll see. Maybe it's a little bit of a, of a test. Maybe maybe it's a, perhaps a testing the waters of transforming Challenge Cup once again. We saw last year how it became uh, this sort of preseason tournament 
And now maybe Challenge Cup, we could see another evolution of it, right? Where perhaps we see Challenge Cup as something that takes place throughout the duration of a regular season, within a regular season, right? As a regular season is within its progress. So we'll we'll see. I think this is maybe the first test uh, in perhaps uh, checking the temperatures of those waters. I don't know. Or maybe this is just a, a gaffe and a mix-up. I guess we'll find out more. I mean, we'll I mean more about it. so many dominoes that will fall based on uh, the reality of this schedule, uh, having the Challenge Cup on May 7th and also regular season games, because the teams that are competing in the Challenge Cup final probably won't know until two days before, right? When the, the semifinals conclude, maybe let's say May 4th, that Wednesday. So then that's when teams will have to reschedule. And if you're competing against one of the teams in the final, you just now get a, a bye week in the second week of the regular season and home ticket sales and home openers and season ticket holders and sponsors and right. Like there's just so many different <laughs> people that are affected by this. Not, not, and, and also the players, because leading up to this entire week, say you're not in the Challenge Cup final, you already know that, you are out in the quarterfinals, you're preparing for a game on May 7th, or that weekend even, the 8th or the 6th, and all of a sudden your competition makes it into the final. It's so it's so funny because it's like there's like a little bit of like NWSL like fan culture right around the schedule. There's often like, oh, like, where's the schedule? Right. Like, when's it going to drop, et cetera, et cetera. And it's so funny to sort of see this kind of awkward evolution of that in 2022, where now it's sort of like, wait, what's happening with the schedule? It's like, what's what's going on here? So it's a little it's a I'm choosing to take a look at it as, as jokes and laugh at it a little bit, I think gotta laugh so you don't cry i guess sometimes uh we'll we'll see we're gonna keep an eye on that as, as along with continuing to keep an eye on the ongoing cba negotiations between the players union and the front office uh and as well as the schedule and how things get impacted there uh but we've got a ton of things to get through here in this episode for everyone a lot of different updates in terms of player acquisitions trades moves from various teams and other front office uh, additions and updates there we'll just go uh in order with some certain teams here we're going to start with the chicago red stars they uh, made an additional announcement on their head coaching update. Lisa, we actually touched on this a little bit not too long ago in one of our episodes, a few episodes back, uh, discussing sort of this timeline uh, for the Red Stars and what was going on with their uh, head coaching search, what possibly could be going on with their head coaching search. And uh, just to sort of put a timeline on it for everyone just joining us today, uh, December 13th, the Red Stars announcing that they were, uh, you know, conducting an ongoing search for a new head coach and that it was their goal to have uh, to announce a new head coach in January of 2022. And then on Friday, January the 28th, the Chicago Red Stars uh, released an additional announcement, uh, a coaching search update that basically there is no update uh, and that the search for a head coach will actually continue for them uh, into the NWSL preseason that uh, Rade uh, Taniskosovic will still be carrying the label of acting head coach uh, alongside assistant coaches Julianne Stitch and Fabrice Gatra, who has been with the club for the last two years and I guess will be joining this coaching staff as it's assembled in a sort of official capacity 
right now. Uh, and it's just, uh, it's unfortunate they, they reemphasize what uh, the coaching committee looks like. They assemble the committee to try to go out there and get a new head coach. And it consists of 11 current and former Red Stars players, three assistant coaches, a sports psychologist, the club's chief business officer, Vicki Lynch, and other members of the club's ownership. So, um, yeah, not a lot going on there in terms of what we were possibly anticipating from Chicago. Again, it's it's like we're just sort of rehashing this again on this episode, and it was similar to what we were chatting a little bit about on our previous episode, that there wasn't uh, a lot there in terms of attaching, um, you know, a new head coach for, for this team, Lisa. Chicago gave themselves this deadline in early December that they would have a coach by January 2022. They made that public information. They put out that statement. They put out that release. Uh, They did that to themselves. I mean, January 2022 isn't an unrealistic expectation considering preseason is set to start on February 1st. So you would think you would need a head coach by then. However, Chicago, they couldn't meet their own deadline, right? Like maybe they overestimated the coaching candidates or they underestimated how tricky it would be to find someone. I'm not really sure. I'm not in those meetings and I'm not on the committee, but it seems like poor planning and poor judgment from Chicago at that point to kind of throw themselves under the bus, say, hey, we'll have an announcement. We're going to have a head coach, everyone. We're doing the search and and here's our deadline. And then to say, listen, we haven't found it yet. We're pushing back our deadline into preseason. Um, It's almost like the story that keeps developing with no story (laughs) because there is no head coach and there's no story. It's just that Chicago still has a bunch of question marks around them. And if they want assistant coaches and and acting head coaches to be the head coach, I feel like that would have already happened. So that doesn't seem like the case. And if that announcement does come out later in, in February throughout the NWSL preseason, that would be very surprising because why not make that decision or come to that conclusion earlier or were there no other candidates to take the position? It's just like an odd, sticky situation that, Chicago is in and now Chicago fan bases and Chicago players are confused about. And then, so when Chicago does name a head coach, they have to come into a team that's already been competing throughout preseason, right? Like that's a chance for a new head coach to come in and really get a clean slate and set the tone and the foundation of what they want to do at a club. But if preseason's already started, that's a little bit hard to do to change things. And it's, You still have the entire season ahead of you of matches to play. It's not like uh, a lot of coaches we saw in the 2021 season coming in in the middle of the season. So it's kind of like, all right, pick up the pieces of the last few months and just get to the finish line at the end of the season, which we saw, what, like seven clubs do that throughout this regular season. So it is possible, but it's just odd to come in during preseason and to not have a coach already at this point. And as we mentioned, when we did talk about the schedule coming out, there are CBA negotiations. There are other things that league offices are hopefully focused on, right? Like getting a deal with the NWSL Players Association to sign a contract with a CBA for the players so that they do report on February 1st. And this seems like a Chicago club franchise conversation and discussion about their head coach. Uh, and yes, there's investigations that happen and and you have to do background checks that might involve the league, but like, do we need to hire more people here? I'm just a little bit confused on this. 
I mean, yeah, I think it goes without saying that uh, every club in, in the league probably has to hire uh, more people. I don't think that that's uh, uh, breaking news uh, on that. Is in and the league. Of, and yeah, in league. terms of a, in terms of a league that's you know just about to hit a decade years old, that's still you know kind of considered in its growing phases. I mean, the front offices need to expand, right? Uh, but in terms of, I think we're watching that sort of unfold with this with Chicago. Uh, you know, just sort of having almost what 60 or 70 days to find a head coach and, and still needing a bit more time um, for that. And in terms of everything outside of, of the front uh, office or at the administration level, in terms of this search, um, the reporting that was put out there that perhaps there was a candidate in place and somebody like Omid Nab, uh, Namazi, uh, other reports saying that perhaps that there was a head coach that was tabbed on the European side of the game. But unfortunately, things fell through with that. So now you're just adding additional I don't know if you want to call it uh, mystery around uh, potentially uh, seeking out a new head coach. And I think even with those type of things swirling around the possibility of either of these candidates uh, being tied to the club as head coach, you go back to this release, this update, this, this head coach search and, and saying that, you know, while we have spoken with multiple highly qualified coaches, we've yet to find the candidate that our players deserve and uh it just sort of reads a little bit unnecessarily to me mm -hmm. uh, that it's not that's not something that you maybe need to add into a release like this considering the rumors that are attached to the club is that there are candidates potentially in place so then what does that say about these potential candidates that are rumored to be connected to your club are they currently not uh the coaching candidates that are deserving to you know be in that position it's it's just uh yeah again i'll just leave it at that like uh, it just reads unnecessarily to me but i think that that's been a theme in a lot of chicago's off season that in all of these releases that have sort of not had uh a direct uh you know person to point to in terms of direction and comment for the club uh, that there's been a lot of unnecessary uh, type of uh, phrasing within some of these releases. And that includes this current update as well. I mean, even if you're a coach that applied to this job or you interviewed or you wanted yeah. to be this head coach and you read this statement and it's like, so we still don't have a coach. None of our <laughs> candidates were good enough. Like, yeah, that's it's tough. Tough. That's like you're reading that and you're like, that sucks. Like, thanks. Yeah. Um, it's not like we found someone better. We're going to go in a different direction. It's like yeah. we actually didn't yeah. find anyone better than you. Yeah. You're just not good enough. Yeah. Thanks for uh, speaking with us. Uh, as we have stated earlier in this release, we spoke to multiple candidates. <laughs> None of you are deserving. We're all bad. Position. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's not it's not great. Yeah. So it's just a uh, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. And uh, there is still one club that is going to be heading into their preseason, um, you know, without a new uh, head coach or at least just the, the same coaching staff in place uh, adjacent to this search mm -hmm. that has been ongoing for for 70 days. And it's unfortunate because we can even take a little step further for Chicago and sort of say that before they, you know, before they made this announcement, um, they they made an announcement about an addition to their staff and they appointed a former Chicago Red Stars player, Michelle Lomnicki, as the club's associate general manager. And she is a, uh, a player. Uh, she's a person who's been affiliated with the Chicago Red Stars for a very, very long time. She started her pro career in Chicago with the Red Stars in the WPSL in 2009, uh, you know, and then actually played overseas at one point, 
played a little bit with Sky Blue FC, returned to Chicago from 2012 to 2015. So very much someone who was a part of those very early days of NWSL, right? Which I think people who are perhaps finding themselves new to the league are discovering that it was some very tough times, some very uh, stark growing pains, right? In those early years. Um, and uh, something that was of, of most interest for, for me as someone who's kind of club uh, followed the club at a local level for quite some time is, is the fact that this title, uh, that this position was sort of crafted and then developed and made uh, for somebody like Alam Nikki to come in and uh, fill in and fill the role for. Because as, as far as the NWSL history of this club, uh, something like a general manager has sort of been a dual title for their head coach. So obviously for the last decade, that was somebody in Rory Dames who was navigating the, the scouting, the recruiting, uh, and the building and fleshing out of a team alongside head coaching responsibilities. And in terms of an associate general manager, an official uh, role that has been uh, developed, this is the first of its kind for this club. So, uh, you know, she's someone who, uh, along with having that playing experience with the team, has been attached to this franchise in terms of the youth soccer programs in Chicago, uh, was uh, appointed director of the Red Stars uh, camps and clinics. So um, closely tied to to the youth academies there. And this hire just sort of goes right in line with something that we're seeing across the league already in terms of seeing former players in these types of positions. It does. And I think this is a, a great hire for Chicago because as a player who um, not only competed in the league and at the professional level and overseas, having a lot of experience as a player, but with this club specifically and spent time there as a player um, understanding the ins and outs of it from that perspective and then continue to stay involved with that club specifically. So she saw really the change in the club over the last few years and especially throughout the 2021 season and everything that happened with former head coach Rory Dames and how all of that was uncovered and he went under investigation. So to have that perspective from a player's standpoint uh, formerly, then as someone involved in the youth side of the game in the club to now really take on a front office leadership role as a GM. I mean, that's huge. And she already, they, they re said in the statement, Chicago said that she's already been in this role um, since during the draft, because again, they didn't have a head coach. So they needed to rely on a lot of people in the front office to help. So um, Michelle helped with the draft. She helped with different player contract discussions. She helped bring Yuki Nagasato back from Louisville to Chicago Red Stars. And Sandra, as you mentioned, this is a common theme across the league and across many different clubs. Michelle now becomes the fourth player to be named an NWSL club general manager. We had Karina LeBlanc happening earlier this year, Yale Averbush West at Gotham, uh, Karina at the Thorns, Cami Levin at Kansas City, and now in Chicago, former players stepping into that GM role. So there are good things happening um, at Chicago. And I think we need to remember that Chicago is a very good soccer club. They have made the NWSL playoffs for six consecutive years, including making it to the NWSL championship in 2021. So they have good players. They have good bones. They have a good city around them supporting them. And they're getting the pieces together in the front office, specifically uh, hiring a, a general manager like this. But still, 
waiting for that final piece of the head coach. But I mean, it seems like a, a good place to go as a coach if you're looking for a highly competitive team with good support from the front office uh, and players that, frankly, are very, very good on the pitch. Um, but yeah. I think that this hire of a GM is going to do a lot for the players in this club specifically. And with all of the fights that have been happening in the league with the CBA, this is a good a good role for her to have. Yeah, I agree. I think I think the title is um, probably limiting what her role is actually going to be within the club. And especially now in light of knowing that this head coaching search is still ongoing, that preseason could uh, happen, you know, without a head coach, they're likely probably going to rely on her pretty heavily uh, in all this. And it's just sort of, uh, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with you as many I guess looking at the pros and cons as many cons as you can maybe look at sort of this process for Chicago, there's these other pros that we're picking out and um, it almost looks as if a staff is being built up around uh, this position. It's just a matter of who and when, and if that head coaching uh, role is going to be uh, fulfilled and um, yeah, they'll be inheriting uh I think I referred to it as what a top four midfield in the league, right? Several U.S. women's national team star players um, and uh, a team that uh, already has familiarity with each other, right? So that's a thing that uh, this team maybe doesn't have to worry so much about heading into a preseason. They're they're a team with a core group of players that have mostly been together for for a while, um, and we'll see what happens. It's something that we're it's a, just another thing that we're gonna have to keep our eye on. That is uh, not officially taken care of or tied up just yet uh but it's not chicago uh the only team making moves or announcing lag thereof we are going to get through some more teams right after a quick break all right we got to hop back into everything here we got to talk about some player departures actually we got to talk about some player acquisitions we got to go through some more clubs here on the nwsl side of things in terms of news and notes let's start with another big one after this break here this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Portland Thorns FC, Lindsay Horan, uh, both announcing that she is jet, uh, getting set to join Olympic Lyonnais on loan. Uh, this has actually been rumored for a little while. It's something that we've actually touched on a little bit before in the past. Uh, uh, right, Lisa? Just talking a little bit as, you know, perhaps, you know, just a rumor, something that we just thought could uh, 
potentially happen. Uh, but Lindsey Horan, six seasons with the Thorns, uh, 87 match appearances, 25 goals, returning to France for the first time since actually leaving Paris Saint-Germain in 2016. And it's a big deal. You know, I, I don't yeah. know if people are um, recognizing how, how big that is. You know, 27 years old, I think, for a lot of uh, women's pro athletes who are at this type of level that Haren uh, is currently at really kind of some prime entering sort of the prime of her career. And she's going to be doing this now with Leon uh, through at least the halfway point of 2023. So it's just uh, within this announcement uh, or during this announcement of her making her departure to be with Leon, uh, the Thorns also made the additional news that Lindsay Horan uh, signed an extension with Portland. So, you know, in 2020, there was a lot of news around the fact that the Portland franchise had specific contracts for these players, for Lindsay Horan, for Crystal Dunn, right? These are contracts that were directly with the club. And so with Horan expressing this desire to perhaps return to France and now this coming to fruition, uh, that initial contract, it sounds like that has been sort of restructured a little bit and an extension was also signed in line with uh, this this loan to uh, Lyon. So while being in Lyon for 2023, intentions to eventually return and that will be with Portland through 2025. So big, big deal. Finally, we're talking about rumors and another one uh, come coming to life, Lisa. <laughs> I like when we talk about the rumors because this one has been a rumor for pretty much the entirety of the 2021 season because we would have people tweeting at us at attacking third. What's happening with Lindsay Horan? Is she leaving? Is she staying? Will, will we have her for the championship? Um, and she stayed throughout the entirety of the 2021 season and now making the decision um, to head over to to France and go to Lyon. And for a player like this, Sandra, you did touch on this, 27 years old, Really, she is at the prime and the peak of her career right now with the United States women's national team. She has become the playmaker, the the number one player that they need on the pitch to help them succeed. She can play an attacking midfield position and be very creative if all of the United States women's national team sixes and defensive mids go down. She can slot into that more defensive midfield role. She took the number 10 jersey and, and that was handed off to her from Carly Lloyd. She is a very special player that has a tremendous skill set on the pitch. And we've seen what she has done at Portland for the last six seasons, continued to have them be one of the most competitive clubs in the league and continuously competing at the highest level for championships and even helping to win them. So for her to now take her skills and, and go to Lyon, I think will be so good for her career because she's already played at PSG and she's played the European game and it taught her different things. And every time you can go into a new experience like that and come out with different skill set, a different take on the game, more knowledge about the game by learning from the players around you, you grow as a player. And if there's one thing about Lindsay Horan, it's that she wants to be one of the best in the world. And she is on her way there by taking herself out of the NWSL away from Portland, a place that, has most definitely become comfortable for her over the last handful of years. And putting herself in an uncomfortable situation in Lyon will only help her grow and get better and challenge her to be a better soccer player, to be a better leader, to be a better follower, uh, because all of those skills are so important. Uh, of course, with the hopes of coming back to the NWSL, joining Portland again, um, 
by growing a little bit after going to Lyon. I like this a lot. I'm excited to watch her over there. Of course, I'm sad yeah. for um, us covering the NWSL as closely as we do that I won't be able to watch her and analyze her game as professionally as I do when she is in the NWSL. Now I definitely become more of a fan watching her in Lyon, but I'm happy for her and and the growth of her and hopefully the growth of United States American soccer because of trades and loans like this one. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to agree with you on all that a hundred percent. I mean, and it's, you know, her going back now at, at this stage in her career, it's, she's not the same player she was when she initially left France, right? So it'll be interesting to sort of see her game, how it adapts or adjusts to, or how the French league sort of adjusts to a Lindsay Horan at, at 27 years old back in their league, right? So it'll be it'll be nice to, to see it. And also with this news, it maybe sort of opened up or answered some other different questions in regards to other signings that Portland has made. They uh, announced just before Lindsay Horan's departure, the signing of Japanese international uh, Hina Sungita, a 24-year-old Japanese international, signing a three-year deal, uh, a transfer fee utilizing some allocation money uh, to INAC Kobe. Uh, so it's going to be Portland for a long time. This is an investment in this particular player. Uh, and there was a, some a reaction around it immediately when this signing was announced, like where this particular player was going to be utilized. And now with the departure of Haran, maybe we're starting to get some of those answers mm-hmm. a little bit more. Maybe this midfielder is going to be used maybe more in an attacking sense uh, than than anything else. A very, very good playmaker. So that's exciting for Portland. But probably the biggest news, right, um, alongside the retirement of Celeste Bure, uh, who is making her departure as a Portland Thorns, was uh, a contract extension, right, for uh, the famously known Christine Sinclair signing an extension through 2022 with an option for 2023. And uh, I don't think anything, I don't think you can get any more Portland Thorn than that, (laughs) right? In terms of making sure that uh, Sinclair stays right where she's supposed to be. Yeah, I think if if Portland fans are listening and hearing this news for the first time, you're heartbroken that Lindsay Horan is headed overseas, but you feel a sense of security knowing that Christine Sinclair is still around. She is not going anywhere. Not yet. She's staying with Portland, uh, staying in the game. That was another rumored topic of discussion. If, if this could be the end for Christine Sinclair, go out on top. Nope. She's back, um, extension through 2022. And you love to see the little option for 2023. Of course, a lot can change in a year, but, um, this is, it's great to see Christine Sinclair and also uh, signing Hina Sugiti, um, the Japanese international player. I think that this player filling in the holes that Lindsay Horan is maybe leaving behind might not happen as seamlessly as Thorns will hope it does and, and Rain Wilkinson and Karina LeBlanc. However, this is a really good get for Portland because um, a player like Sugiti can do a lot. She has a lot of international experience at the Olympics and at World's Cup. She can play defensively. She can play more attacking-minded, almost like a Lindsay Horan. I, I wouldn't compare them too much, though, um, as they do have different abilities on the field, but the transition for her might be difficult heading into the NWSL. That is such a competitive, physical game. So a little bit of adjustment there, but um, Portland, they're, they're making a lot of moves and these moves coming later in, in the end of the trade window, right before the start of preseason. 
Absolutely. Let's uh, let's take a look at a team that we've been wondering about uh, in terms of their roster and how it's going to look for the 2022 season. Orlando Pride, we thought they might have been done, but that's that's not true. They're still a part of ongoing trade discussions. Most recently, trading Ellie Riley to Angel City, Orlando getting a 2023 NWSL third round draft pick and $15,000 in allocation Money, the New Zealand international, but American born, uh, kind of a California native heading on back home. So in terms of people who are trying to keep track of a timeline of talent loss from Orlando Pride during this offseason, we are now at the following Orlando uh, losing Alex Morgan, Jody Taylor heading on over to Wave FC, Ellie Krieger and Ashton Harris and their baby girl Sloan heading on over to Gotham FC. Uh, we also talked about uh, their top draft pick in, in Mia Fischel uh, opting to sign with Tigres Feminil of Liga Mekis Feminil. Uh, and then Taylor Korniak also departing for Wave FC. And now Ellie Riley heading on over to Angel City FC. A uh, lot of trades, a lot of allocation money involved uh, throughout a lot of these trades. I think we're talking about perhaps just a little over a million dollars now, I think, in allocation money. There has been a ton uh, going going back and forth uh, alongside of this. And um, a lot of uh, maybe Orlando Pride fans taking a look and saying, geez, like what's going on with with the roster here? What's it going to look like uh, in terms of having somebody like a, a Sydney LaRue or a Marta, who there hasn't been a lot of uh, noise made about that. Um, but Orlando has, behind the scenes, uh, also sort of been – conducting their usual business and making their signings for some of their rookies as well, uh, making uh, contracts uh, for uh, their first round draft pick and Julie Doyle, a forward out of Santa Clara, a one year contract with an option for an extra year uh, and signing Michaela Clough through 2023, uh, who was a 2021 Matt Herman trophy finalist. So on the one hand, making a ton of moves, right. For allocation money and sort of uh, seeing this departure of, of, of players who were so synonymous with Orlando pride, but also trying to lock up some contracts with some of the rookies that I think they're hoping to build around. And just when we thought Lisa, that we were going to hop onto this episode and record and get it all in with Orlando pride, there was another announcement that was made in terms of a trade. Yes. The Orlando keeps um, sending their players away, I'm going to say, not losing them. I don't know. It sure looks like a, a loss to me when you run down that list of everyone. Uh, trading midfielder Marissa Vigiano to Houston Dash. Um, and it's just an interesting trade there between Marissa Vigiano, midfielder, and then Megan Montefusco, who is formerly uh, Megan Oyster, heading to Orlando Pride in addition to $30,000 in allocation money and O.L. Reigns' natural third-round pick in the 2023 NWSL draft. Um, so that is all happening to Orlando Pride. So now in addition to Alex Morgan, Jody Taylor, Krieger, Harris, Mia Fischel, Taylor Korniak, Ali Riley, now it's Marissa Vigiano, um, an attacking midfielder that has been with Orlando and been with the Pride since Vigiano was drafted in 2019. But she is headed to Houston. So Houston lucking out a little bit, um, getting another midfielder to throw into the mix. And remember, Houston lost Christy Mewis. That was sent to Gotham. That was during the expansion draft. Um, and then thereafter with a little bit of trading happening. So Orlando, they're just they're doing a lot of things that I'm not super 
um, knowledgeable about why they're doing this. So I'm a little bit confused because you do have to look at who's left for Orlando. I know you mentioned Marta and Sydney LaRue. Cindy LaRue, excuse me, and then now signing all of these younger players in Michaela Clough, um, who, who they selected in 2021 that chose to go back and play for BYU. And then also Julie Doyle. They have a lot of young players um, mixed with Marta and Sydney LaRue, who are very much veteran players. I think that Amanda Cromwell at Orlando just... Um, she needs a little bit of help, a little bit of time to kind of figure things out. And in gathering so many draft picks for the 2023 season, I think she has her eyes set on the future and not so much this season. And this season really will be a rebuilding year for Orlando. Um, there have been a, a number of other signings throughout the league, though. Uh, uh, let's stick with North Carolina Courage. At this point, they signed Keeney Bowen from Kansas City. So North Carolina and Sean Nahas gathering some players there and then also uh, some potential retirement news, Sandra? <laughs> Question mark? I don't know. I'm, I'm with you. That's how we got to, I guess, address this one. I mean, uh, USC announcing that Amy Rodriguez is going to be joining their coaching staff, which is huge. Congratulations to her. Uh, a World Cup champion, an Olympic gold medalist, going to be joining that uh, the collegiate program uh, as an assistant coach. She's an alumni who's making her return, finished playing uh, with the Trojans in 2008, and then was uh, pretty much a mainstay forward with the United States Women's National Team uh, from 2005 through uh, about 2018, and uh, was currently with North Carolina Courage uh, made her arrival there to, to Courage Country uh, through a midseason trade with Kansas City Current. So seeing this news kind of come out, it, it broke through the collegiate side of things. It came through USC saying, hey, we've added Amy Rodriguez to our staff because she will and referring to it because she'll be retiring uh, from uh, playing professionally. And it was just a little peculiar to, to sort of see that and then sort of not see uh, any type of retirement announcements uh, via North Carolina Courage, right? Uh, or even the league uh, for that matter. This is a player who has been playing for a very long time, ending her career at 34 years old. Again, you know, mentioning that, yes, World Cup champion, Olympic gold medalist, but this is a player who was with one of the founding franchises of NWSL and won two championships with the then FC Kansas City uh, team from, from the Kansas City team that was, you know, way back in the early days and kind of coming back to Kansas City with the current is to sort of try to help uh relaunch a women's pro team uh, in that market in that area and then to be traded mid-season to North Carolina Courage uh, to sort of help them out in their kind of late season uh, push to, to make a return to the playoffs which which they did uh, but this is probably one of the most decorated probably one of the most uh, important players in the early histories of NWSL and uh, I really do think she should be celebrated as such uh, yeah. in terms of just her accomplishments you know uh, on the pitch uh, but this is a huge pickup I think if you're looking at the college program side of things uh, for for USC they are absolutely getting a baller in this one. This is a huge player. I mean, I, I remember watching her as a little girl on, on the women's national team, watching A-Rod cheering for her um, and then to see her go through the evolution of starting a family and having children and then working her 
ass off to get back into top shape and do just that. But when you look at North Carolina, we talked at, about all that Orlando had lost. North Carolina, they've lost uh, Lynn Williams. They've lost Sam Mewis. They've lost Jess McDonald and now Amy Rodriguez. So interesting for North Carolina. A lot of their attacking weapons um, are gone after this year. So it's another team that we have to keep an eye on, I think. Uh, but as you mentioned, this is a huge, huge get for USC, her alma mater. She's heading back there and for the future, right? I mean, we talked about Chicago. They don't have a head coach. They're still looking for one to have former players that are retiring and stepping immediately into coaching roles, even assisting coaching roles. That's huge. You, you can learn so much and at a high college level, it's good for the future, right? We could maybe see a rod coaching an NWSL club in a few years. I'm putting it out there. Manifest it, Sandra. <laughs> I would love to see it. I absolutely would. I'm not even trying to say that I wouldn't, I would love to see it. I mean, California's got two teams out there, you know, who knows, maybe they'll be expanding those staffs as well. We'll see. Uh, oh, Rain also making news uh, not to be left out uh, in terms of uh, off-season news, announcing Megan Rapino on a one-year contract and Rose Lavelle on a two-year contract. Both of the contracts for Rapino and Lavelle utilizing allocation money coming off of United States Women's National Team Federation contracts. These are contracts directly with the club. Uh, also making the announcement that Bethany Balser is going to be returning to the club, signing a contract extension for a three-year deal all the way through 2025, and then also re-signing another veteran of the club, defender Lauren Barnes. Lou is getting a one-year deal with the team. So got to look through all of these signings. And honestly, if you're an OL Reign fan, I think if you're looking at these, these are all clutch signings. I think a lot of folks are very, very excited to see Rose Lavelle on a two-year contract, I think getting her mid-season right last year in 2021, you just sort of saw maybe some of the beginnings of what could be happening with Lavelle on a Laura Harvey-led side. Uh, and I think for O.L. Oh, right, I think these are all home runs for sure. These have to be home runs. It's almost along the lines of the Christine Sinclair re-signing with Portland Thorns. It's a little bit of security heading into the 2022 season with, with Rapino, Lavelle, Balser. I, I love to see a three-year deal for undrafted Bethany Balser. Remember in 2019, um, she's a player that continues to grow. And I think under head coach Laura Harvey, can have a lot of growth there. So I'm really excited for Bethany Balser. And then of course, uh, Lou Barnes getting that one year deal, another veteran um, defender that can do a lot. So it's a lot of stability and security for OL rain fans. Um, Kansas city current. They are also uh, saying goodbye to a few of their players. Defender, Rachel Corsi, the Scottish international. She signs with Aston Villa as well as forward Jessica Silva. She was traded to Benfica in Portugal. So losing two players in, in a defender and a forward, but uh, as we talked about, right, Lynn Williams, Sam Ewis heading over to Kansas City. There's so many trades happening throughout this offseason. My boards are going to be a mess for 2022. Uh, we talked about it a little bit before, racing Louisville. They acquired Jess McDonald. It's official, though. She signed a two-year contract with racing Louisville, so she'll be a veteran forward leadership for Louisville that they really need um, heading into the 2022 season. They, they lost Yuki Nagasato. Savannah McCaskill is gone from there. Michelle Betos. It's a little bit of changeover happening in Louisville as well. Absolutely. And San Diego can't be left out of the mix, right? They still made Ever. one more move. 
joining uh joining the side uh, is going to be Carly Telford from uh Chelsea goalkeeper solidifying uh that goalkeeper position they've already got uh it was uh Kaylin Sheridan as their starting goalkeeper and then adding uh a veteran piece like this I think is great for uh a one-two punch I think of their uh goalkeeping uh union there that they're starting to build out in San Diego a lot there to get through but we got through it together Lisa we did get there, Sandra, and, and a lot has happened and a lot continues to happen. And as we're on the verge of the NWSL 2022 preseason starting, so many question marks surrounding there. There's so many more things that we will be coming at to our listeners with information and everything ahead because so much is happening and continues to happen. And we've got it all for you here. That's what we do, Sandra. That's what we do. We do have it all, including AFC Women's Cup matches on Paramount+. Plus. I just want to remind everyone that quarterfinals are going to be kicking off this week. So try not to miss a game. But if you do, I understand the kickoff times are a little bit inconvenient stateside. But if you miss it, you can catch full highlights on Attacking Third YouTube. Visit YouTube.com slash Attacking Third. Thank you, everybody, for joining and listening to us today. You can follow us on Twitter at Attacking Third. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your podcast shows you can leave us a five-star review now on spotify and if you have any questions for us you can leave a five-star review on apple Podcasts with your question and lisa and i will answer it during our mailbag segment we're also available as video subscribe to us on youtube and we will be back on wednesday with more coverage and exclusive interviews for sandra Herrera and lisa roman this was attacking okay picture this It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.